Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So, um, today we will just, um, I just feel led, we discuss the second part of the scripture we're looking at last week. You know, last week we were looking at the matter of living, being a living sacrifice. And we looked at Romans chapter 12. And I just felt deeply in my heart that I should go ahead and look at that scripture again. But this time, by God's grace, we will look at it and discuss it, actually. Um, if you remember, we're looking at the matter of being a living sacrifice. And we discussed to some extent what it means to be a living sacrifice. And actually, what we are going to look at today is not different from that. It's just a continuation of the instruction. So if you open your Bibles to um, Luke 12, I'll read verse 1 and 2. And we are going to focus on the second part of, or the, should I say the first part of verse 2. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good, an acceptable and perfect will of God. I'll stop there. So last time, like I said, we looked at the matter of being a living sacrifice. We saw that being a living sacrifice for God is very unique in the sense that you are not a dead sacrifice, but you are living because you are now alive for God to do what God wants. Now, as a continuation of that instruction in verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal or the renewing of your mind. And I just thought it's crucial. We look at that part of scripture that says, do not be conformed to this world. And like I said, we'll discuss it so that it won't just be me talking. You know, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. So what does it mean? That's the question. That's the question I was going to ask. Yes, Kevin, you were going to. Yeah, it's just some examples of that is, is that people come into church with questions, questions for the uh, for the for the teachers, for the pastors, that, but they're they're questions from the world. Hmm. They're the worldly questions. They're things like, how can a loving God allow that? How can how can a you know and these are not Christian questions. These are not questions to be raised by Christians. By the, these are questions raised by the world, which the, which the Christians then bring into the church and start asking these questions. And it sends everybody down a, the wrong track, down the wrong oh. hole and whatever. Because it's, it should be that um, as a loving God, why is he allowing it? Oh. Yeah. 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 The, the matter of being conformed to this world 
drives everything. You see, the way I'm seeing it is that because we are by nature conforming to this world without the without understanding that actually our salvation is the first step into deliverance from the world. You know, you raise a very important issue. People ask, why, oh, why will a loving God um, allow this to happen? Excuse me, what is the first love God, what was God's first expression of love to me and you? It is that he gave his son. The Bible said, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the first expression of love God has for us. So when they tell me, why should a loving God, what is better than God giving his son to die for me and you? But you see, because that foundation is not there, what do you expect them to ask? They will ask, why is a loving God doing this? When I know that the fact that I can put my faith in Jesus and I will be free from the judgment, the prevailing judgment on mankind for rejecting salvation is a great love. That's a matter for me. That I can put my faith in Jesus and I die now, I go to heaven. That is a great love. But when you, when you don't have that foundation first, the questions you ask, like Kevin was saying, will be questions the world will ask because they do not know the Lord. Sorry, Nika, you are going to say something. Uh, yes, uh, Brother George, because um, normally if we have devotion as family, and um, one time I've discussed this, uh, Romans 12 to do not be let me read first and the um, amplified it says here do not be conformed to this world this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs so what was my explanation to the kids is like nowadays because obviously George they, they do like sex education already at school and then obviously the world says it's okay to do it mm. you know even you are not married, whatever your age is acceptable. That's what they will teach you, I told them. But I said that in the word of God, in the sight of God, what the world is teaching you is against his world. And that's the pattern of this world. And I told them, I don't care if uh, your classmates, other people will do that. They are not my children. My concern is you as my children. You are Christian. We know the word of God. We know our Savior. So we must not copy because what is acceptable now to this world, I said, what is good to the world is, uh, you know, bad in the in the sight of God. And what is good now is the wicked. They call it wicked now. Mm. That's why I told them. Because they would say, it's okay to do it. But I said, no, we must not copy those. And now also with all the same-sex marriage, 
everything is being taught at school. But let me tell you, I told them, it is not acceptable. This is the, the acceptable things in this world, but in the sight of God, in his word, it's against God's will. So that's why I told them, uh, rather judge with this, do not conform in the pattern of this world. Hmm. You know, you know, as we discuss the matter of do not be conformed to this world, that means to me that the world wants us to be the natural tendency for the world is let us um, conform these people into our pattern. In fact, permit me, let me read there is a translation here, New Li uh, Living Translation. I like the way he puts it in Romans 12. He says, <clears throat> let me just, yes, Romans 12 verse 1. He says, um, verse 2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world but be a new and different person with fresh newness in you, in all you do and think. Do not copy the behavior and custom. So the world has a custom. They have a way of behaving. That's the world. The world has a pattern of thinking. The world has a modus operandi, if I'm allowed to use that term. The world has its own way of doing things. And the Bible is warning us very clearly, do not be conformed to it. The world wants me and you to fit into its mold. So when the Bible is saying very clearly, this is part, of, it's part and parcel of this instruction of being a living sacrifice, that we should not um, follow the custom of the world because the world has a custom. The world has a, a particular pattern and culture of doing things. Now, maybe in, in understanding do not be conformed to this world, let's look at some instructions that are related to it and we discuss it. One of it is a scripture you know very well. It's in First John chapter 2. We'll read that scripture, and I will read maybe a, a, um, an example as a reference point for that scripture. So second, first John chapter 2, um, verse 15, 16, and 17. Bethel, can you read that for us? First John chapter 2, verse 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
Okay. So look at, let's remember the first instruction. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, the pathway of being conformed to this world is loving the world. That's the pathway. And God is telling us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the first thing I'm understanding here very clearly is that I should not love the world. And remember, the Bible, Jesus was telling the disciples, or was it disciples? I'm not sure now. He was saying the love, the, the world love, loves its own. And God is warning us that we must not have love for the world. So what's the Bible telling us? We must not love the way the world does things, the customs of the world, the thinking of the world. That's the first thing we should be aware of. Now, the next part of that scripture says, anybody that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you cannot love the world and love God. It's impossible. You cannot say you love God and in your, you, in your heart, you don't detest the thinking, the pattern, the culture of the world. You can't. The two don't go together. So God is now explaining to us what is in this world that we should be aware of or we should not love. Look at it. He says, for all that is in the world, look at all that is in the world. Loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. Please, can we read that from Amplified? Verse 16. If, if, yes, verse 16. 15 or 16? 16, 1, 6, yes. Okay, 1 John 2, uh, 16, it says here. For all that is in the world, the last, the last of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, and the last of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. Now, look at what God is trying to explain to us. All that is in the world. You know, I was thinking, how can the Bible say all that is in the world is the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life? But actually, beloved brethren, all that is in the world is built, is as its foundation in these three things. All. And it is the principle on which the world runs. Let me tell us, in any, let's pick any organization, any organization, even a, a government organization, as noble as it is, okay, let's, let's, let's be very practical. Let's use the NHS, for example. You know, the NHS was a, it has a good history, isn't it? But because that history, that uh, organization is in the world, 
the people that run it, they do not know anywhere, anyhow else to run the organization because it's in the world. And so how do they run it? They run it on these principles. I'll give an example. The Bible is saying all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. The Bible calls it, or Amplify calls it, the loss of the cravings for sensual gratification. Should I tell you? Because it's human beings that form the organization. Some of their decisions are based on this loss of the flesh. It looks, it looks as if, oh, it's, it's, it's no good. It looks as if whatever decision they want to make, is that, but let me, because they don't know God, they will only run it the way their heart craves. And the cravings is what we should be aware of. It's not the physical structure. When they say love not the world, it's not saying don't, it's not the physical structure. It's because they talk about the pattern and custom. Pattern and custom is not created by physical structure. It's created by human beings. It's, the, it's created by the way human beings think and act. So it's not talking about the cars or the vans or the buses or the trucks they used to bring goods and services. It's not about that. It's about the way of thinking. It's about the culture. Yes, Kevin, please. The, um, I can't remember what word they were using, but they're, they're basically saying they've taken the the worship of God and yes. put it onto onto well man-made things. Basically, yes. I mean, as you said, even a system is made by human beings. Yes, and it's it's graven images, and they you know the NHS is a great example. We've made it, we've made it sacrosanct. We've made it. You know, sort of in that way, and uh, and you can't say anything against it, which is always dangerous. <laughs> Any exactly. Do you know the world will not accept Jesus, but they have they have it's in the NHS nine, the quiet worship of Eastern religion. Have you not heard of mindfulness, meditation? You know they've brought all these things into the NHS. Why? Pilates. Exactly. Yoga. But you see, you can't talk about God in the NHS. <laughs> but they talk about mindfulness. They tell you about deep meditation. All that has been accepted fully, but you cannot talk about Jesus. That is the world. The world is enveloped. Look at the issue of the pride of life. Just go for a an ordinary, you know, I was in the I was in the world, I was doing a world round just some days ago. No, last week. Can you imagine? I was doing a world round and I started, I had some junior doctors with me. And lo and behold, we had the senior consultant who came and was doing, he came into the ward, the same ward I was on today. So I had a patient who was complaining and talking about his care and everything. I was listening to him. And immediately that guy walked, uh, the consultant walked in. The patient commented and said, oh, here is another um, 
boss. Guess what that consultant said? Immediately, he looked at me and said, I am the real boss. He's not the boss. He was pointing to me. And, you know, he said it in a joking way, but there was nobody contending him being the boss. You understand? But he wanted to establish to everybody, including the patients, that I am his boss. You see, the pride of life is very real. Even with patients, when you deal with patients, some patients will want to make you know who they are. You know, they want to tell you how important they are. <laughs> Although I've come to solicit your services, I am also important. So you cannot tell me what to do. <laughs> yes, Kevin. Sorry, you are muted, I think. Yeah. Back on the staff, I heard the other day that in the NHS, maybe a bit higher up than what you're working, maybe not. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't copy people in in order of rank, you will get told off. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm just saying that for the first time. <laughs> I, I I didn't believe it when the person said it, but then somebody else affirmed it. So you have to copy people in in order of rank. In Interesting. <laughs> Do you know? You know, it's it's so. I, I discovered that you have to be deliberate as a Christian to go against that way of thinking. You have to be deliberate. Deliberate in the sense that, do you know, even when you are humble about what you do, people will insist, no, 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 you need to show that you are the boss. <laughs> you need to, you need to, it's not about the work any longer. It's about who is in charge. And Actually, you George, yes, um... yes. Just a few months ago, uh, so I had the patient for uh, Love Coley, yes. and it, obviously the surname is quite familiar. And then I had already, like, you know, as, um, I was thinking that this patient is really like, you know, uh, probably part of the NHS like that. And then by the time I saw her, she told me, do you know who I am? I said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I don't. Well, I am the wife of your medical officer at Westford's uh, Hospital Trust. Oh, okay. So, you know, I was so cool talking to her. But um, I told her, I said, Lord, help me to be brave. So I said to her, <laughs> I appreciate you're the wife of our uh, medical officer, but as NHS, uh, we have to um, treat everyone. Um, fairly, whatever the status or situation of a patient, we have to treat everyone fairly. Mm. And that is in the equality law, mm. I told her. And then, you know, she was so like, uh, you just said, ah, oh, you know, like that. But I have to tell her, George, she cannot like, you have to treat me special because I am the wife of the medical officer. And I said, no, this is not acceptable. I said at the back of my mind, but I was still so polite with her, but I have to uh, told her off. Mm. Okay, you're laughing. So I'm laughing here yeah, because it's, it's, it's a funny story. It's, it's just the way I think... <laughs> You talk about corruption and 
you know, wanting special treatment. Yeah, everybody wants that. And sometimes, and I think she has, she probably uh, expected that because she had played that card before and other people have um, kind of uh, <laughs> played along. But mm. yeah, sometimes we, we need some brave people to be able to say what, you know, what, what, what. And I'm um, and talking about about uh, being, you know, conforming to the world. Just looking at the the message translation of that bit, it says, Do, um, "Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking." Mm. You know that really um, hits home because it's very easy to do. You know, there's some things that you just think, you, you don't think about. You just, you know, proceed to do it. And we, like you said, you're saying, Nakin, we have to be very deliberate about it and say, mm, is this right? You know, is that what, you know, Jesus would do or what God would want me to do? Uh, or is this the culture, you know? So, but we have become very well adjusted to to the culture. So things like, um, we're talking about children. So, mm. Having is this a bit controversial, but you, you know, lots of people expect teenagers to be in relationships, you know, very quickly from you know, 13, 14, 15. Actually, it's not that's the culture of the world now, it's yeah. not right for them anyway. That's what we say to, to mm. our kids, you know, there's time for everything. That's right. Mm. One way you know that it's not right is the, the rate at which those relationships break up. And then they just suffer heartbreaks and heartaches that could be avoided completely. But mm. expected that, oh, oh, who's your boyfriend? Oh, you have a girlfriend, you know, and it's just normal. <laughs> or, you know, moving in with somebody or, you know, being a partner without being married first, again, it's becoming controversial because um, it doesn't look wrong anymore. It's mm. a common practice. That's right. Mm. People will say, oh, we're living in sin, you know, or they're living in sin, you know, because they're living together and they're not married. But that, that language is gone now. Mm. Mm. There's so many things. Training children to respect their elders, that's mm. gone as well, you know. Um, it's not very strict. So teachers are struggling mm -hmm. in schools because the children mm -hmm. don't respect them and they disrupt the classes. And they... So there's so many things in our culture that mm -hmm. is becoming the norm and we can't really mm -hmm. speak about. And the danger is that we will just conform to that. Mm -hmm. and say, because well, we are not allowed to discipline our children, isn't it, uh, Funke? Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Oh, you have to do it, do it in a, I don't know, gentle. Mm. There's a group, a Facebook um, group of doctor, doctor moms um, called the Gentle Parenting Group. So you don't <laughs> like peer, you know, like with respect and with like peers, like they will understand the way you speak to anybody else. Mm, mm. That's fair enough, actually. Uh, in certain situations, but there are times that children need discipline. They need to be mm. taught and set aright. You don't have to hit them, you know. I don't. I'm not advocating mm. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the 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 thing of cause and effect and consequences. 
should be really strong, but there's none of that, you know, got to be, you know, so there's so many things that um, are becoming the norm and uh, yeah. It's, um, you know, this matter of um, the things, when the Bible says all that is in the world are those three things. It applies to every aspect, every aspect of the life in this world. You know, you were talking about teenagers having boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that. You know, now, and you talked about people getting living together and not married. If you just broach that topic in a conversation and you tell the people there and say, hang on, that is wrong. They are not married. They are not meant to be living together. It's like you fell from the moon. It's like, what are you talking about? Are you, do you think you are living in the 19th century? That's what they will tell you. They will tell you that actually, that is old way of thinking. Because that is what the world, that is the culture of the world. And because it's the culture of the world, the world wants you to be conformed to that way of thinking. So as a Christian, you, you see, you don't need to, I discovered, you don't need to do anything. All you need to do is just be living in this world. You will suddenly be thinking like the world. You know, when we say, when we tell kids, you know, and even adults as well, to be beware of social media and all that, is because the more what the world is doing is it keeps bombarding you, bombarding you, bombarding you, bombarding your heart with images, with um, with with um, a lot of information that quietly transforms the way you think. If you are you you pick up your phone, for instance, and you signed up to social media, and all you look at is celebrities their way of life, what they do, automatically, you don't need to just, you don't even need to do anything. Your mind, because you have been exposed to it consistently, consistently, your mind starts getting transformed. So you discover unconsciously, even the way you dress changes because you have been looking at a celebrity consistently, consistently over time. You don't need to, you don't need to even think about it. You suddenly discover that that is how your mind is, is going. Why? Because you have exposed yourself to what the world keeps giving you always. If you do not consciously put a shield on your heart and at times say, I will not even watch this. I will not look at this. If you don't do that, you will be drawn in. The world's way is that you must be conformed to it. You must fit into its mold. That's the the message of the world. But for us as Christians, God is telling us very clearly, do not be conformed to it. And the pathway of not being conformed to it is do not love it. Do not love the things that are in the world. And all those things we've talked about, these three things make up the constituents of the nature and culture of the world, pride of life, what what makes anything that will make 
you proud. The world wants it. You know, even in even in 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 school, when you go for an interview, part of interview training is you need to show your attributes. You need to project yourself. You need to show that you are confident. You are you are you are strong-willed. You when you go for something, you want to go with. When you have an aim in life, go for it. You don't care whose step, whose toes you step on. It doesn't matter. You have a vision. You are a, you are a man of 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 drive, or you're a driven man. So you see people. I see it a lot, even at work. People talk to people anyhow. They are rude and arrogant because of this thing, because of this pride of life, so that they can get to the top. You see a lot of backstabbing, a lot of lies, a lot of pulling down. Why? It's because of this pride of life. They want to get there. Nobody believes people have lost the art of humility and service. It's no longer that. It's about who is boss. Even junior colleagues want to show <laughs> the senior ones that actually I'm the boss in my own right. <laughs> because that is the way the world thinks. So when the Bible is saying we should not love the world, these are the things we must be careful about. You know, we've talked about this before. You remember, if a company wants to advertise a product, they don't, they don't get just anybody to advertise it. They get somebody popular who has followers. They get very beautiful girls who are skimply dressed to attract. All those things are principles in the world, sensual gratification. That's what they do. Recently, I was reading that they had to, they've not even banned it because it's still there. Um, this Formula One racing, car racing. Eh? They have, um, they call them paddock girls who dress in skimpy clothes to advertise the race. And because of this Me Too movement or whatever it's called, they were trying to curb on it. But it's still there. That's the world. The world will appeal to sensual gratification and they will use any means to do it. Um, somebody was complaining some time ago about a company that insisted that all their female employees must wear skirts far above their knee. And it was, it was company policy. So if you come with a long skirt, they will tell you to go and change. That is the word. Sensual gratification. They are looking for ways of instituting it. Why is it? Eh? Just go for an ordinary dinner. It's dinner in a workplace and see how all the ladies are dressed. It's a culture. <laughs> if it's not a culture, everybody would not do the same thing the same way. Is the thinking. There is no dignity, there's no um, um, chastity any longer. That is the way. Because it is the way of thinking. And God is telling us, do not love it. Do be careful about it. Because once you love it, the love of the Father 
is not in you. And that's the issue. For me, I need to be careful that the love of the world automatically puts me at, as an enemy of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? Maybe we should read it. What is that scripture? Again. James chapter 4. Yes, James 4. Let's read it. James 4. Look at it. Verse 4. He says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let me read it from Amplified. It says, you are like unfaithful wives, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. So, is it possible that a lot of people that go to church are actually enemies of God? Once you adopt the way the world thinks, you are taking a stand as an enemy of God. Once I allow the way the world thinks be my thinking, I've become an enemy of God. I don't need to Start killing Christians before I become an enemy of God. <laughs> I don't need to say I don't believe in God before I become an enemy of God. Once I start thinking the way the world thinks, once I adopt their custom, and I do not question, how does this please God? What I'm doing, does it please God or it pleases the world? Then I've become an enemy of God. We can't but look at the word of God and accept it. It's not me that is saying it. It's not anybody. It's scripture. Being an enemy of God is not, first of all, going to um, say I'm an atheist. No. It's about loving the world and accepting the way the world does things. And Beloved brethren, culture varies. We are in England. We are talking mainly about English culture. If I go to Nigeria now, there is the Nigerian culture. There is a way of doing things. It is the same applies. I must not adopt or accept that way of life. The Nigerian culture says, it's part of culture now, that if a meeting starts at 8 o'clock, That meeting actually is not starting at 8. It starts at 9. And everybody has accepted it's Nigerian time. So when you're actually there to start the meeting at 8, people will tell you, excuse me, why are you in a hurry? We are doing it in Nigerian time. Your 8 o'clock is not actually 8. It's 9. 
That's Indian culture. There are so many aspects of culture and life that is against God's will. And we see it spread over culture totally. And that's the way of life there. But the Bible is saying, if I adopt it, if I love it, I'm an enemy of God. And the question we should be asking ourselves, how does the love of God express itself in my life? If I love God, I will automatically be at odds with the world. And you will see it in various aspects. So when the scripture tells us, remember that scripture, it says, you shall love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Eh? If that is the focus of your heart, loving God with everything you have, you are going to be at odds with the world. Because times will come up that the world will demand you to do a certain thing and you say, sorry, I'm not doing it. Because of your love for God. That's why, you see, as long as I keep evaluating my love for God, always, I will not fall into the trap of loving the world. As long as I keep evaluating and checking my heart and saying, God, my love for you, has it diminished? Have I suddenly loved something else more than you? If I don't keep evaluating it all the time, I will be an enemy of God. And honestly, if you, it's me and you, let's talk about it. How, how will you want to think you are an enemy of God? <laughs> you know, it's very scary, isn't it? How can you suddenly think, ah, I'm an enemy of God? But you see, we are enemies of God when we adopt the way the world does things. It's not by you saying it. It's by living it. A person who is the friend of the world, you look at the word of God and what they are doing is totally opposite to what the world is doing. But you accept the way the world is doing it and say it doesn't matter. You have become an enemy of God. Yes. Okay. Are there some, um, are there some things though that, um, I don't, I don't want to say good, but that we, you know, that we can do as Christians that the world also does. Like buying your wife chocolate and um, roses for her birthday or Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering all your anniversaries. <laughs> you know let's, what I mean. Yes, let's talk about that. African culture, you know, you, you say you kneel down to greet your elders and things like that. So now, things that, you know, overlap. In yes, the- you've talked about that. Does the Bible teach that? That's the question. All the things you've mentioned, let's talk about the respect first. Does the Bible teach that? You see, um, Kevin has posted it, but we'll come there. We'll come to that issue, Kevin. But does the Bible teach? eh? Does the Bible teach respect? Do you know if they are talking about respect, 
Christians should be the epitome of respect anywhere. Because if you look at the word of God, actually, the Bible teaches it clearly. There is no, there is no outer of doubt about it. The Bible teaches it. The Bible tells us that in the last days, look, let's look at, just let's look at scripture. What did the Bible say about the last days? Just to show you that the world is degenerating. What does the Bible say about the last days in First Timothy? It talked about this particularly. I, I think it's chapter four, isn't it? Let me see. I might be wrong. Look at it. The Bible talks about uh, the things that will happen in the last days. The Spirit of the Lord speaks expressly. And look at all the things he talked about. He talked about speaking in hypocrisy, having their, that's people having their consciences um, snared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry. <laughs> Excuse me. Have, does it sound familiar? Forbidding to marry, the last days. Commanding to abstain from foods which God created to receive thanksgiving and those who believe, all that. Look at, what does the Bible say? It says, there are other parts. Let me see. Let me, let me read the other, the other section of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at everything the Bible is saying there. Talking about the last days or previous times to come. Men will be lovers of, them, of themselves. Eh? Lovers of money. Boasters. Does it sound like proud of life there? Proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. Eh? Unthankful, unloving, unforgiving. Excuse me, does that not fall into the opposite of what Christians should live for? The Bible talked about Jesus when he went to the temple in Luke chapter 2. How did the scripture end that story? The Bible said Jesus followed them and was obedient to them. Excuse me, well, how do you obey your parents? And you don't show ultimate respect. But we're in a generation where children do not respect their parents at all. No respect. Actually, George, um, yes. when it comes to children, um, yeah. I normally tell stories to my colleague while we are having our lunch break. Yes. And then I said, well, I said to them, if I say bedtime, bedtime, and all the gadgets will be in my room, even the mouse, even keyboard, yes, it's keyless, uh, uh, what around, uh, cordless. Yes. And uh, because I said I don't trust them because who knows that later in the middle of the night when we will be sleeping and then they will still be browsing social media and everything. I said no. Mm. And I told them once it's bedtime, bedtime. Uh, mobile phones, um, everything is in my room. I told them, oh, really? So they were so shocked, George. And I said, you can ask my kids. I'm not kidding. That's my training for them. Mm. Because I don't want them to be spending a lot of time in social media and everything. And I said, I have access to their social media account as well. I said, because one time I caught them... Um, you know, and their social media commenting something to a post from their colleague. And I didn't like it. I said, I didn't like it. 
So that's why I asked my son to completely uh, delete or uninstall the um, the social media because I have to check. I said, you know what, George? They told me, oh, you are so strict. That's uh, you know, let them, you know. And I said, Abigail, does that sound familiar? And I no, said, it doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I said no, George, because I don't want their mind to be polluted with the. Uh, influence from the social media look at the one a 14 year old who just committed suicide what she was browsing if you feel depressed you know uh, self-harm you know is that right and it's all in her phone with the history of of the browser because mm. if the parents have monitored it should have not happened you know, you cannot just say, oh, it's because of social media. I said, no, we have a role as parents. Mm. If you just don't, if you just uh, let your kids be exposed too much unto these things, then eventually, you know, their, their mind will be completely polluted. Then they will become depressed. They will become like this. And who they will ask for help, they will look Google. They will look Facebook, they will look and then all those recommendations. And it's not a sound, it's not a sound recommendation. Mm. I told them that they were so shocked, George. And I said, uh, well, that's me. I told them, I'm just following the word of God that I have to, to mm. discipline my kids so that whenever they will grow up, they will remember that. I told them. I pray God will help us. You see, because what you are saying is not is what everybody is facing about this issue of social media and trying to guide children appropriately. You know, it's so important. You know, we are talking about respect. What did Paul told Timothy eh? in First Timothy chapter five? He said, "Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father." Excuse me, is that not respect? Do you see what I'm saying? When you look at the word of God, actually, it teaches you respect more than the world does. It teaches you respect more than the world. So the, the, the word of God is actually enough. If you follow the word of God, you know, the God, Jesus told um, the Pharisees, he said, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, if you go and check the righteousness of the Pharisees, the righteousness of the Pharisees was for show. Is for the people to congratulate them. It was righteousness in hypocrisy. It was not true righteousness. True righteousness, if we, if we follow the word of God, we will do it. Talking about um, um, those issues, the word of God is abundantly able to guide any life far beyond the world's expectation. You see, because the world, all the world will give you are those three things and their roots and branches. Loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh and pride, pride of life. That is all the world will give you. Roots and branches. But the instructions from God, following God and loving him. Loving God means loving his word, loving his will. Loving is cancer, accepting it. That's what the love of God entails. And Jesus said it very clearly. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. 
That's love. I cannot say I love God and disobey his commandments. I am a hypocrite. I can't do that. But if I love the world, that's why we need to be careful. You see, when we talk about love, not the world, it is a very, very crucial instruction because the love for the world is almost the default. That's why we need to be deliberate. Ah, I remember. Oh, let me share this with you. You see, when I came across this scripture, love not the world, and God touched my heart so deeply. It was in secondary school. I came back. You know, I used to watch all, of, all sorts of films. When I got home, <laughs> it was like a tornado. I said I wasn't watching. You know, I had junior brothers. And I told them, you guys, I am not watching all these films we watch. I'm going to stop. I stopped watching all these movies. And do you know, it caused a ripple in the house. I remember my junior brother got offended. Because you see, I used to be the person who organized all these films. I would go and borrow from friends and bring it. And they used to enjoy it. So when he said, when I, when I told him I'm not watching again, my brother was offended. I remember I went and reported me to my parents. He said, I can't send you not watching things again. Why? <laughs> Why? I said, ah, now by force. I said, I'm not watching. I'm not watching again. Because the Bible said, love the all. And there were no Christian movies to watch then. I, there was nothing to watch that would define my soul. But excuse me. Go to your place. Of, you know, I, I, they look at me as if I'm not in this world. They ask me, oh, have you watched this movie? I said, sorry, I've not. <laughs> they say, hey, ah, you mean you've not watched it? I said, I don't. I don't watch those movies. They say, why? Then I explain. There was a day in the theater. It was very interesting. I was operating. They said, we want to play music. Then they said, oh, Aki, which music do you want? I said, uh, <laughs> if I tell him. you, I said, no, give us your music. Give us the style of music you want. Him. I, I told them. I told them to type in the music I wanted. Eh? I first of all wanted to ease, let them, under, let them um, understand what I was driving at. So the first thing I did was I told them to type in a Christian music in Yoruba, in my local language or YouTube. And the thing started playing. They asked. They said, oh, we don't understand that. What does it mean? I told them. Then one of them said, hmm. I said, okay, you don't understand this. Let's play the, the Christian version, the English version. So I now put in a Christian song. I said, oh, but this is religious. I said, yes, it's religious. That's what I want. You wanted me to play music. I'm playing the music I listen to. And by the way, you have to listen to it because I'm the one operating. <laughs> But at a stage, I, I, I stopped it. You see, the world will not get at all this way of life. So when they antagonize us, when they antagonize you, know that the world loves its own. Because you are not of this world, they won't like what you are doing. They will oppose it. But God has to help us to guard our hearts because loving the world is the default position. Is the natural thing to do. Being proud, being arrogant is natural. 
Have you not heard people say it all the time? Oh, I had to react that way because that was the natural thing to do. And everybody accepts it. You, they'll tell you, oh, you should understand why he's angry. That is natural for him. That's the world. But you see, for me not to stand against God, I need to be careful. I will stop here and we will pray that God must help us that we keep reviewing in our hearts our love for God. If we don't love God, you will automatically love the world. There is no in-between. There is no um, mix. Once you don't love God, you are his enemy. I know it's scary to say it, but it's the truth. It's not me that said it. It's the word of God. I pray the Lord will help us. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 